If you would, this morning, turn with me to Proverbs 29. So, go to Proverbs chapter 29, and we're going to find ourselves in verse 18. Now, you're probably familiar with, uh, with the book of Proverbs, and in particular, maybe this uh, specific proverbial saying. And uh, notice here in, in 29 and verse 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Read that again. Where there is no prophecy, the people perish. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your holy Word. And now may Your Holy Spirit speak some things into our hearts through the foolishness of preaching. We pray in Your name. Amen. Uh, some of you may know that this weekend uh, I've been without Jessica, and so you know some some have responded differently to me. Uh, you know, oh, you know, bless your heart, or you know, are you making it, or are the kids making it? You know, there's been several different sorts of like, are the kids still alive? You know, that's that's sort of the first concern most people have. Um, and when I when I tell them that, you know, they went and spent the night with their grandparents, my mom and dad. Then they're like, "Oh, well, you must, you must, uh, you must have been free to do whatever you wanted to do, you know." And I thought about that this week. I thought about um, even before this weekend when I was without them. It was actually the first night I'd ever stayed in that house by myself, and uh, it was sort of a an odd experience in a way, you know. Um, I mean, you'd think it'd be normal, but I don't really. You know, except unless I'm on trips, I don't really spend the night by myself in my own house. There's just too many people around coming in and out. So, you know, and, and I thought about how people would respond to that and how I've heard people say, you know, marriage is this binding thing, you know, ball and chain. You're going to be stuck with them for life. You don't want to do that. You want to be free as if being single is freer than being married. And even people take this with God, don't they? They then move it one step closer and say, well, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not affiliated with any kind of religion. Right? As if that means that they're freer than you who are affiliated with a religion. Particularly Christianity. Or even people who are married sometimes will act as if they are freer if they don't have children than people who have children. And so we, we get this idea sort of of freedom. And I think... In our culture, we've mixed it up to where we don't understand what true freedom really is. And it has nothing to do with your category in life, how you are labeled as far as either you're single or you're married with kids or not. Nothing to do with that. Freedom comes only from, ultimately, God, who is the freest being there ever has been or will be. In other words, God is totally free to do whatever He wants to, right? I mean, there's nothing that he can't do. Uh, and so no one is restraining him from doing whatever it is he wants to do. And yet what he wants to do uh, is love. 
What he wants to do is forgive. What he wants to do is lay his life down for ours. And that's a very different story. He wants to actually bind himself to us, not just with a, with a legal contract, but instead he bound himself in Jesus Christ to a body. Most of us are trying to get to heaven so we don't have to worry about our body anymore. We have this sort of dualism at work in our thinking as if the body's going to drop off and now we're going to be really spiritual. And being spiritual is the point. That's not the point. Resurrection is the point where you join the spiritual to the body and the body is picked up by the spiritual, not a dropping off of the body totally. God binds Himself to us. And you really wouldn't think that would be freeing, would it? (laughs) I mean, look at all the trouble He's had to go through to help us now that He's bound Himself to us. And we we say, well, how would He do that? I mean, that's... If I was free, I wouldn't even bother with people. Like, I would just move to some remote place where I didn't even have to deal with people. Most of us would say, hey, if I really wanted to be free, I'd quit my job. I'd stop doing this and just basically disconnect from all of life. But I would ask, is that real freedom? We think as if we didn't have these obligations in our life, these relationships in our life, these laws in our life. If we didn't have morality, if we could just do whatever we want to do, that would be freedom and that would equal happiness. And the answer to that is no, it does not. People who do have lots of money will tell you that that doesn't make them happy. It's temporary. I mean, we're always saying, hey, you know... Might not make me happy, but it sure, you know, make my life better. But even there, have you noticed how how inward stuff, things that cannot be seen, sort of like the scripture passage we had? Have you ever noticed how things that cannot be seen actually are more important than things that are seen? In other words, if, if you fall into a depression, you talk about ready to rock your world, it's gonna affect everything that's physical too. You're not gonna be able to contain that. If you have sin in your life, if you've got heavy guilt in your life, that's going to affect you in a physical way and it's going to be right here driving you mad. You know, an abscess can just simply be cut out. But sin is not a surgical procedure by a medical doctor, but instead by the great physician. And it's something that's in here that he must do. And that's real freedom. Notice... Notice, notice here, uh, Proverbs. Uh, if you've never, never found your way into Proverbs, you really should. It really should be something that you read through consistently. Um, you know, nothing against some of the books of the Bible, but some of them, uh, you know, are tougher to, to kind of wade through, wade, wade through, I should say. Proverbs is not. I mean, you've got these pithy little maxims all over the place that are actually at times hilarious. Some of them, I mean, will actually, you'll be texting LOL in your head, right? In response to that particular uh, wise saying or aphorism. Um, And so other ones, however, are very serious. Others are set up in a contrasting way. In other words, they show the way of the wise. They show the way of the foolish. 
And you'll see this in all wisdom literature. You always have the wise and the fool pitted against each other and the two ways never meet. Now, wisdom literature is not something that's unique to Israel or to Christianity. People have always wanted to be wise. And if you notice, as even you're reading through the Scriptures, in the Old Testament in particular, wise, being a wise man was a paid position. In other words, they actually paid people to be wise. Now, we do that same thing today. They're called advisors. So people come in and advise, for instance, the president or at your work. And these people get paid just simply based on their wisdom. Now, typically, what it means to be wise is somebody that has, is time-tested and is experienced. So normally, the Proverbs are going to look at the young and the restless as not a good thing. The older, seasoned folks are going to be considered wise. And you know this, even in Oriental cultures, they really particularly hone in on the fact that if you can live to 70, then you figured something out. If you can make it that long, you're doing something right. And so there's a wisdom that is laid upon them. The Bible's wisdom is not secular, however. That's the difference we're talking about. These are not just sayings that are disconnected from God. Even though at times when you're reading Proverbs, you're going you're gonna to feel like, hey, where's the God stuff, man? Where's all, where's all the blood and where's all the forgiveness? and where's all? You're not going to find any of that here. Proverbs is giving us a way to live in God's world that He has created. So it sees God as the Creator and it, it's essentially saying, look... There are some things that aren't going to change. So you might as well get used to them. You know, there are walls up in His creation that are not meant to be passed through. They are concrete. Now you can continue to run into them and say, I don't believe in walls. I don't believe in boundaries. I don't believe in rules or regulations or laws. I think we should just be able to do whatever we want to do. Well, feel free to run as hard as you can into that concrete wall. It's going to hurt. This is why Proverbs will say, the way of a transgressor is hard. Now, you've seen people that have lived a rough life. Doesn't it show in their physical appearance often? I mean, we even have billboards now that that warn you, don't get on this drug because here's the difference, before and after. When you do not obey God's law... When you act as if you can create your own reality, Proverbs is going to call you a fool. Now, being a fool is is really... There's several different words, and I don't want to bore you this morning with, with the different words in Hebrew for fool. But it ranges from silliness, like you're just being silly, to you're being purely wicked. So it really depends on the context, but it, go, it ranges really from being just kind of foolish, as we would say, to actually telling God, I know your way, but I'm going to do this anyway. And that is a different kind of evil than unknowingly doing something. It's not just childishness. It's deeper than that. It's you know it and you still do it. Freedom, the Bible says even here in this proverb, is going to be based on the law, which is which is sort of backward to us. We really that's not the way we really think. 
You know, for instance, if I want to be free on the road, then that means I'm going to go whatever speed I want to go. Not obey a signpost. Like, that doesn't sound freeing to me, right? And that's how we typically think of law. But notice, notice, let me just read it again. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint and they perish. But, that's the contrast, blessed is he who keeps the law. So the remedy is actually keeping the law. Doing what God has said. Obeying God. Uh, trust me. You know, I'm an American too. Obedience doesn't really sound like something we want to be a part of, you know. Give me freedom or give me death, right? And by freedom we mean we get to do whatever we want. But again, I'm, I'm questioning for us that definition of freedom. And I'm saying true freedom actually is going God's way. That's not just some kind of, you know, again, trite saying. But instead it's a tried and true saying. It is a wise saying. Um, so, in the, uh, again, in, in the Lord of the Rings, we talked about this last week. Every great story, and we talked about being in a story. And you and I have been dropped into a story. We didn't, I mean, you didn't determine when you were going to be born. But here we are. For such a time as this. We don't determine when we leave. Um, And so here we are in this 2015. Now it's, what are we going to do with that? We didn't begin the story. We won't end the story. It's not going to end with us. So we have a part to play, a character to play. And, and what I want to exhort you to this morning is to play a wise part. Be wise in your life. Wisdom is not going to you know, help you on the stock market or with your house or this sort of... Necessarily. Obviously, if you've read Proverbs, you'll know it helps you all the way through from your work to your friends, to your relationships, marriage, everything. Wisdom can help you, and and in particular these Proverbs. But none of that matters if you don't have the first point right, which is God. He is the one where wisdom comes from. It's His world. He's the one who created it. I've often used the illustration, it may be a foolish one, a silly one, but... We used to, my brother and I used to play G.I. Joe's, you know, and they have a hand that looks like this in order to hold a weapon, right? Well, we would have church folks come over sometimes that were girls, and, you know, we didn't have any, there wasn't a single girl toy in our home. It was just my brother and I, you know, and so the Barbie doll has a hand like this, and so we thought that was just weird, and you can't bend them at the appendages, which looked odd, you know, when you're walking or, you know, you can't really do much here, whereas the G.I. Joe can bend all sorts of ways, you know? And so we would be playing our G.I. Joe's, look over there, and it's like, that's just so weird. Like, a Barbie, you can't hold a gun. Like, what, you know, what's the purpose of that? You know, like, there's no fun in that. Well, she holds a comb. It, like, straps on. Well, you can't do that with a G.I. Joe. It's too big. The comb's as big as a bazooka, you know, which is, which is unrealistic, you know? And so we tried to be as real as we could, my brother and I, um, in our play. And so uh, my point is this. The makers of those toys knew what they were doing, and those toys aren't meant to mismatch. In other words, you try to force one of those brushes into a judge, you're going to tear off his thumb. He won't be able to hold a weapon anymore. You get my point here? We were created, male 
and female He created us in His image. And not only as male and female, but as persons, not animals, but persons in His image, after His likeness. And He created us a certain way to hold certain things in our hands. And when we try to force things of the world that don't go there into our hands, what the result of that is, is brokenness. And we've all felt it. We're all, we've all been sitting there with missing thumbs. Saying, Lord, I really want to do what it is You want me to do. But You're going to have to restore my hands. You're going to have to clean them up. And that way you can put the right weapons, gifts. Sorry for my military stuff. I didn't, you know, it's just the way my mind works. The gifts that He wants in our hands so we can go out on mission with God. I mean... That's what He's wanting to do. But we're constantly pumping stuff in our life, trying to play with stuff in our life that is not meant for us. Be wise is what the proverb is going to say. And this one here in particular, notice, is the opposite of what we're talking here is those who have lost prophecy. So you've completely lost the story. Like you don't realize that you're in a story. It's really funny. Um... And again, forgive me for, for Lord of the Rings. I know that you think it's an obsession, but it really, it really isn't necessarily, but maybe I'm in denial. Um, if you'll remember, Sam, he tells Frodo at one point, he says, Mr. Frodo, maybe we'll make it into the great stories one day that will be retold about us. And they're sort of joking about it, but there's a truth to it. And you know what? In your life, I mean, you are precious in God's sight. He made you. You are His toy. You are His character in His story. He thought of you. He gave you life. Like Pinocchio came to life, He gave you life. New life. You're no longer just a wooden boy. But instead, you are a person in God's image. An heir to the King of Kings. You have all of His resources at your disposal, and we just sort of meander through life sometimes, week to week, grinding it out, not realizing we're in a story that is part of a greater story that will be retold for all of eternity. I often think, um, and you've heard this said before, that that somehow that cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about, that they can see us. We know that God is watching, right? And we wonder if other people are watching. And really the image in Hebrews is that we're sort of in a stadium on the playing field of life and they are cheering us on. Now if that's the case, they also see our mistakes. And haven't we had as humans this hunch... I mean, you go back and read all the religions of the world, everybody's got this hunch that the ancestors can see stuff that we're doing. Now, maybe it's a lie. Or maybe there's some truth to it. If that is the truth and people are watching us, wouldn't that change the way you live today? What you did in your private time? I mean, wouldn't it? Grandpa is either cheering you on or he's ashamed. Um, I have felt that shame before of not living up to 
my own family name. I felt the shame of not living up to the capital F family name, the family of God. We are being watched. We are being cheered on. We need to act like it. We're in a story. There's this book that that I read to my kids. It's called, We're in a Book. And it's this elephant and uh, I can't remember what the other thing is, but some other animal. And, and, they, and, you know, they have like a whole series of books, right? Well, this one sort of surprised me because it is it's kind of a novel concept. But like the characters in the book actually realize they're in a book. So then they start saying stuff like, you know, caboose. And then it's like, oh, he just said caboose. Ah, ha, ha, ha. You know, and they're laughing and stuff like that. You know, at you because you say what is on the page. And they can make you do that. So it's this whole concept that they're actually in a book, yet they realize they're in a book, so they're making you say some things. Um, And I thought about that in preparation for this sermon. We're in a book. We're in a book. We can't see out necessarily, but we can hear what's coming in, can't we? Haven't you heard the voice of God before? And our story will be told. You know, sometimes we get down as Christians and say, you know, man, I've just been serving God for all these years, and... And nobody ever notices. No, there's plenty of people who notice. And not only that, there's three persons in particular who notice everything. Nothing really ever slips past them. And it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't worry about your reward here. This is, we don't live for praise from men here on earth. Our praise comes from God because He is the one who made us. And we... we should want to make our Father happy. Now, I love it when my dad, you know, in his uh, older age, you know, now has, uh, I tell him that he's becoming soft, you know, but, but he, he, actually, he actually will praise some of the things that I've done, and which is surprising. Like, I never, you know, as a kid, you didn't really get praised for much of anything. Um, but you're always just being corrected. Uh, but now he, he will praise some of the things that... And it, I just can't describe to you how much that means to me. And how much it means for God to be pleased with us. Amen. We can please God by obeying Him and being faithful. Understanding that we're not in our story, but in His story. It's the greatest one that will ever be told... And He will bring it to an end Himself. And what a glorious day that will be. When my Jesus I will see, right? When I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace. Beautiful song, beautiful truth. You see, it's not bondage to be bound in relationship. We must be. Because if you don't bind yourself to God... If you don't bind yourself to one another, then you will be bound to the enemy's way. You will be bound by something. It's just it's the same it's the same deception that's happening all over our own country concerning even religion and faith. People chide faith as if they don't have faith themselves. They do have faith themselves, whether it be in science or themselves or an alternate religion. And yet they downplay other folks' faith, uh, not realizing that they have absolutely faith-based positions.
themselves. You see, we must bind ourselves to God and others. This is what the Bible calls us to do. This is actually what the term religion means. Religion, actually, the root of it is to be bound. That's a good thing. Now, we're so sinful that we must come to understand that it is a good thing to be bound to others. And this is why the common perception is, no, no, hold off on getting married. Don't bind yourself to that kind of... Hold off on having to get... Don't bind yourself to that. Don't have obligations to your family. Don't bind yourself to that. Listen, even work. People say, don't bind yourself to work. God created us to work before the fall. You ever catch that? Work is something He created us for. It's not the evil of evils. It wasn't our punishment for sinning. God works. And work should give us joy and should give us some type of happiness, not of the world. It should give us a mission. The people at your work, that's a mission field. You've been, God has given you those people. Um, so this morning, be exhorted on this word, this wise sake, to be a wise person. Ask yourself, what kind of character am I being in God's world? Am I one who constantly runs into the wall? Am I wandering? God wants to reveal Himself to you. He's already made it clear in Scripture that He loves you and He likes you. Now, that's a crazy concept because most of the time we don't even love and like ourselves. There's times where I don't even like myself and my shortcomings. He likes you, but He will not resolve to keep you the way you are. He knows your full potential. We're all not there yet. And that's alright. Because we're on a journey with Him. What matters is Him. And when we make it about ourselves, when we make it about the things of this world, when we start trying to shove things in our hands that don't go there, it's when we get ourselves in trouble. It's where we begin to fail. And it's where we begin to be bound by sin. He can free you today. And binding yourself to Him is true freedom. This is why Paul in the New Testament will say, I am now a slave of Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Do you know that kind of freedom? Do you know and are you living by this proverb here? Has God downloaded a prophetic vision for your life? He wants to. It's not for lack of on His part. Don't blame God. We must pray through, as the, the old timers used to say, you need to pray until you pray through. And what they mean by that, what they meant by that in the old Methodist tradition was, you pray until you are solid that God has spoken to you. You'll know when that happens. Most of us just want to do a little microwave prayer, 30 seconds, and I hope the turntable turns us out something good. We don't want to let it simmer. We don't want a good meal from a crock pot. We don't want a good word from God. We just want a quick one. I can't give you that word. 
The strongest words from God are going to come from right in here where the Holy Spirit speaks something into your life that is undeniable. You could have somebody right there in your face face proving you wrong from physical evidence, but you know it in your heart no matter what He has spoken. He has given you a vision. He has laid something in your heart that's undeniable. And you die for it. I hope that you've had moments like that in your Christian life, but if you haven't, if you will pray through, He will speak to you. He will. I know this to be true. It's not just based on me. He tells us right here in His Word where there is no prophecy and vision. The people perish. Don't be one that perishes. Be one that is on the road to eternal life. The road that Jesus Himself walked and ultimately is because He is the way. Um, Believe that this morning and believe it in such a way that it brings you to action. Now, we're going to go into a time of communion. But first, I'm going to give you time to start praying through. It may take you years. But wouldn't it be worth it for God to give you something? To speak something into your life? Don't give up on God because He is faithful. Amen.